a prospector finds a mysterious rock, an Uber driver pulls up to Walmart to pick up his latest ride, and two friends and their dog are on a trip to Yellowstone Park. What do all of these stories have in common? They're incredibly terrifying to me (laughs) and scare me to death. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. <laughs> a little asterisk next to that one. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I really do hope you guys are having a great day. First off, let's give a shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, Hot Diggity Dane. Hot Diggity Dane, thank you so much for supporting the show. Sorry for that long pause. I do thank you. I was thinking of that Mickey Mouse Club song. I can't say hot dang, hot diggity dang. I don't know the song, apparently, but you know what I'm talking about. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I mean, assuming you're six years old and you're listening to this podcast, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. That's the song. That was a waste of 30 seconds of my podcast. If you can't support the Patreon, though, that's okay, too. Just help get the word out about the show. That also helps a lot. Now, hot diggity day, and I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to go for a little drive to Skokie, Illinois. Now, on Monday's, you don't have to listen to Monday's episode to get this one, but on Monday's episode, I did a segment on intrusive thoughts, and those are thoughts that pop in our head. They're totally unwanted. We would never act on them, but they're scary. We go, why am I thinking about pushing my mom off a cliff? I love my mom. Also, there's no cliffs around, so it's not physically possible, but you're sitting next to your loved one, you think about doing them harm or saying something really rude to them, or you think about self-harm, or you think about, like, robbing a bank, and sometimes it can get to the point where you stop going to banks because you're afraid you might rob one, even though you would never do it. You don't own any of the tools, you're not a fan of the movie Heat, you wouldn't do it. Point is, intrusive thought, something you wouldn't act on, but your brain's putting the thought in your head. And everybody gets them. And I discussed some of my intrusive thoughts on that episode. I thought it would be, quote-unquote, fun to find some stories that actually are related to intrusive thoughts I've had. So if you haven't listened to Money's episode, that's totally fine. But we'll be talking about... I'll explain them, because some of them are like, what? Why are you afraid of that? I'll kind of explain it. So... Hot diggity Dane, we're driving out to Skokie, Illinois. It's May 30th, 2017. It's about 5 a.m. The Jason Jalopy's sitting outside of a Walmart in Skokie, Illinois. Hot diggity Dane goes, hey, can I go in and like buy some groceries? And I'm like, whatever you do, do not leave this car. Because I know what's going to happen. We're sitting there and we see a car pull up to the front of Walmart. That is driven by Grant Nelson. He's a 34-year-old Uber driver. And he had just gotten a call, an Uber request, to pick up a 16-year-old girl named Eliza Wozny. So he sees this young girl walk out of Walmart and get into his Uber. He starts to drive away. Within two minutes of that car leaving Walmart, Eliza pulls out a machete and a knife and begins attacking Grant Nelson. When police looked at the video footage, when they were trying to piece this whole thing together, They knew that she was in Walmart. So they're watching the video footage at Walmart, and they see this 16-year-old girl walk into this 24-hour Walmart. (laughs) This is a great product placement for Walmart, right? I've said their name like 10 times. I'm sure they're going to love this episode. Get a call from CEO later on. The Eliza Watkins walked into your local neighborhood Walmart. She walks to the sporting goods section, gets a knife, gets a machete, which they sell right off the rack, right? You can just go up and you can just pick them up off the rack. They're not locked up. 
walks out of Walmart, steals them. Someone might have questioned her, right? 16-year-old girls trying to buy two edged weapons at 5 a.m. Someone might have said, hey, don't do that. Or can I see your ID? Or you're not a murderer, are you? They have a little pop-up button like when you buy cigarettes. Are you over 18? Are you a murderer? She walks out, shoplifts these weapons. And then I'm assuming in some way concealed them as Grant Nelson was pulling up. She did it literally while she was waiting for the Uber. So she called him to meet her there, went and got the weapons, and then as she was coming out, the car pulled up. I'm assuming she had them concealed in some way, because you're not going to let anyone in your car if they're if they're carrying just one of those two, right? You're like, huh, a knife, but luckily no machete. Hop on in, ma'am. Like, she must have had them in like a backpack or something like that. Big jacket, I don't know. But anyway, so she walks out and gets in the car with Grant. She begins attacking Grant. He gets all cut up in his face and his neck and his chest. He eventually is able to get out of his car and he's running through this neighborhood. Again, it's very early in the morning and there's a condo building and he runs up to the lobby and he's banging on the door, screaming out for help. They call authorities. As the rescue personnel gets there, they actually follow a trail of blood from the street across the grass into the lobby of the condo building. Car is gone. So now the police are looking for the car. They actually find it A couple blocks away, it was crashed. So the cops find this car that's been crashed. No one is in the car, but Grant's cell phone is there. And right on the cell phone, it shows that he had picked up a fare just a couple minutes ago under the name Eliza Wozni. The cops are now looking for her. They find her hiding behind an office building, covered in blood, still gripping her knife and machete. Grant Nelson died the next day. He didn't make it. I mean, he was pretty badly injured. The cops ask Eliza why she did it. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. And they're like, you obviously had this plan. You went into Walmart. You shoplifted this stuff. And you called the Uber driver. Why would you do it? She's like, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. Fast forward three years later, August 2020. This recently just had a new development. She's sentenced to 27 years for murder. 16-year-old girl is now going to be in prison for 27 years. Lawyers ask, why'd you do it? Judge asked, why you do it? Psychologist asked, why you do it? Every time she answers the same thing. I don't know. That terrifies me at the most core level of my being. That was one of my intrusive thoughts, was people just snapping. I've never, ever snapped. I've been in a lot of fights, and I talked about this. I've been in a lot of fights in my life, from about age 6 to about 36. I was always getting in fist fights. I've been in fights my entire life. Then I ran out of people to fight when I moved. I no longer lived in bad neighborhoods. I don't fight anymore. But then I go start doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. That's fine. <laughs> maybe not Maybe not. if you're anti-street fighting, which is how I engaged in it for 30 years of my life. But I've never lost control. I've never, ever lost control. The idea of people snapping and losing control and not knowing why they do something terrifies me. Because I always think, well, if that happened to them, what if it could happen to me? But you have to think, like, obviously there's stuff like chemicals sometimes involved, falling into a vat of chemicals and becoming the Joker. Sometimes there's drugs involved, alcoholism involved. Sometimes you can look at supernatural causes like demon possession. Those stories really scare me because it's about losing control. So I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I drink super rarely. Super, super rarely couple times a year maybe and i'll drink a beer and i'll be like oh that's it 
That's it. My vision's getting hazy. I'm not in control anymore. It's very, very... I I think I have OCD from my fear of alcohol equals alcoholism and alcoholism equals losing control. It's this whole thing, and I... I, I did talk about it a lot in the Monday episode, but you didn't have to listen to that one. But the idea, that stuff scares me, but the idea of somebody just one day waking up and deciding to murder somebody absolutely terrifies me. It terrifies me on two levels. One of thinking, could that happen to me? Now, this person may have had a lifelong mental illnesses, but they don't, I mean, again, there's no, they look at all the paperwork, they're like, we don't know why she did it. It wasn't even like, I wanted to know what it was like to kill someone. That stupid edgelord excuse. You just, she never reveals it. Spooky, man. It's also scary for the victims, right? I could be on the other side of the coin. I could be like, I'm totally calm and peaceful. Oh, look, there's a 16-year-old girl walking by this coffee shop. And then I just get chopped up, dude. That's actually, to me, less scary because I think I could take her. Not in a car. See, your defensive options are really limited in a car. But, man, I don't think I could be an Uber driver. We were always told not to pick up strangers and stuff like that. And now we... But most people have jobs where they do it. Taxi cabs have kind of done that. Actually, that's the definition of a taxi cab. They're like seasoned veterans of the taxi industry. I think. I think that's a thing, right? Or did I just make up that stereotype? It's a generational thing. It's passed down. Fathers are talking to their little sons. It's a dirty world out there. Sometimes the streets gotta get cleaned. They're showing them this documentary about taxi driving called Taxi Driver. This is your life now, son. So both of those, that scares me on just a core level. That idea of being able to snap like that. Because I've never done that. I've never, I've gotten mad obviously before and I've been thinking, dude, I'm about to knock this dude out. But I always try to use my words first. And I've never gotten so mad that I've acted out physically. Never gotten so mad that I've punched somebody out of anger. It's always out of this situation, the talking has ended. This situation now has only one way to be resolved. It's very, very calm. Because people who get mad and fight, lose fights. And that was an early, early lesson I learned. Actually, I now that I say that, when I was a little... This is funny. In a little self-therapy. When I was a little kid, I would you get so mad, I would start fighting other little kids. And I wonder if that... I won- And I stopped doing that because I was constantly losing fights. When you're, li- I was a big kid too, so I was strong. But if you get mad during the fight, you lose. If you're calm during the fight, you have a better chance of winning. It's not guaranteed, obviously. I'm not saying if you're calm and you pick a fight with Mike Tyson, you're like, oh, I got this, guys. I've been drinking green tea all day. It's still a risk, but it's a more calculated risk. So, anyways, the idea of losing control terrifies me. Maybe that's why I was never a fan of the Incredible Hulk as well. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Hot diggity Dane, we are going to hop in a new vehicle I just invented. The Wabbit Wagon. It's an old stagecoach with horses and stuff like that. Hot diggity Dane's like, dang it, dude, this this vehicle sucks. It's super slow and I gotta feed the horses. I'm like, ah, they're cool. Just feed them a couple carrots. Make sure they don't bite your fingers off. We are going, the reason why we have the Wabbit Wagon is because we are, that's so stupid. The reason why we have that is we're going back in time. Let's go back to the year 1858. We're back in time. We're riding the sepia colored wagon down a dusty trail. I found this story from an article called When Giants Roamed the Earth by Mark Rose. We're going to talk more about the main point of that article in a separate episode because i think it's pretty fascinating we've covered giants before but this kind of has a unique view on them but in this article he starts talking about how for a while there 
there was the stories going around of people. I don't want to give away the Indian. I don't want to give away the Indian. So, anyways, Mark Rose talks about in 1858, the Alta California newspaper gets a letter from Friedrich Leichenberg, MD. So, this German doctor writes this letter Dear Alta California newspaper, let me tell you the story about a prospector and a dangerous thing that once happened. And then he then he puts dot dot dot, and then he puts in parentheses wiggly lines as we flash back. We're gonna meet a prospector. His name is Ernest Fluchterspiegel. And Ernest Ernest is away from the work camp one day. He's doing what he does best, finding gold. Actually, if I think about it, if he was the best at finding gold, he probably wouldn't be working anymore. He probably would have found enough to not have to work. But anyways, he's looking for gold. He's walking around with his pickaxe and other stereotypical prospector stuff. He has like a pan full of water and he has like uh, clothes on. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm sure they weren't naked out there. He finds this geode as he's looking for gold. What in tarnation is this? This is one of them rocks you crack open. It's all pretty inside, he says. In an oddly southern accent, considering he's a German immigrant, he takes the geode and he does what we all do with geodes. He breaks it open. I've actually never had that. I've never been able to do that. I always thought it'd be pretty awesome. But I mean, I guess I could just go buy one and just smash it onto the ground and be like, oh, it's okay. He takes a geode and he breaks it open. And it's beautiful crystal inside makes him go, ooh. But there's something else going on with his geode. There's a half pint of liquid inside of it. It's like, what? In tarnation? So he touches the liquid. Hmm. That's what I thought. It was a liquid. My observation was correct. Now, if you came across a strange liquid, let's say you walked into your house tomorrow, you saw a rock sitting in your fridge, and it was full of liquid. You might drink it, right? You might. You might think, oh, I don't remember leaving. I don't remember leaving that five million year old rock in my fridge, but here it is. Everything in my fridge is edible, you say, as you're eating a milk carton. He takes this rock full of a half pint of clear liquid, and he drinks it. He starts walking back to base camp, and he's like, and you know, I've done a, lot of <laughs> done a lot of bad things in my life, but I'm starting to think I shouldn't have drank that fluid. I think that might be the ultimate regret. And as he's walking to base camp, he starts to feel some pain. Oh, my stomach. Oh, oh man. After a hard day's work, I wouldn't expect my stomach to hurt. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. He's like, oh. And then he keeps walking. And he's like, oh, man, my feet feel so heavy. <laughs> I think I've run out of puns. I think I've run out of rock puns. He gets to the base camp. That was it. That was the only two he could come up with. It was like a five-mile journey. He's thinking, uh, do I rocks in my socks? Is that a pun? No. Rocks in my brain? Is that a I don't know. Anyways, he can't come up with any either. By the time he gets to base camp, he's walking super stiff. People think it's Frankenstein attack, but it's not. It's just this guy, Ernest, walking up to them. And he's like, guys, guys, help me, help me. I think I'm turning into a rock. And they're like, what? <laughs> which, would be the, which would be the only way to react to that. So, hey, Jerry, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, but I might be turning into a stalactite. What? So anyways, he's like walking all stiff and he's like, oh, I drank this geode juice, which again would, which would again elicit what? I drank this geode juice and ever since then, everything in me is getting like hard and stiff. Dang it. Why didn't I have an erection joke? Anyways, it's fine. The moment's passed. He's like, oh, 
and he starts complaining about pain in his epigastric region and his left hypochondriac region. Which I thought, that's those are fake. Those are real places. Your left hypochondriac is where your spleen is. Weird. Epigastric is your stomach and all that stuff. He's like, ah, oh, my epigastric. They're looking up a medical dictionary. They're like, oh, his stomach hurts. He's like, ah. Oh. And then eventually he they can see his skin actually turning to mineral. He died a very agonizing death. He turned into a rock. And then, in a bizarre turn of events, I don't know why they would do this. Obviously, they watched this guy turn into a rock. That's his cause of death, right? He's a rock now. He's not alive. They do an autopsy on him. They get a doctor to show up to do an autopsy, and he's like, guys, you could have told me he was a rock. Like, he brought all of his medical supplies. He has a scalpel. It's like, I got to go back home. He comes back with a chisel and a mallet. They eventually do an autopsy on this guy. And when they chisel his chest apart, his heart is now just a solid piece of red jasper rock. Spooky. You're like, it's not really spooky, Jason. It was a guy who drank juice out of a rock and became a rock. It's not really bone-chilling. Well, if you'll remember my Monday episode, one of the weird intrusive thoughts that I've had was, I want to (laughs) eat... I want to eat. If I go into a Wiccan magic store and I see it's super specific. If I go into like a magic supply store, if I see polished rocks, I want to swallow them. I don't see. Here's the thing. I don't want to swallow them. I don't want to swallow them. But my brain goes, dude, you totally want to swallow those things, don't you? And I'd be like, no, I don't. And they're like, yeah, you do. Come on. You can swallow at least one of them. They totally wouldn't hurt you. I never have. That's the thing with an intrusive thought. It makes you think like, oh, I want to just yell at this person. They're irritating me so much. But then you're like, no, this person I really love a lot. Why am I having these negative thoughts about a person that I love and care about? It's like that, but with me and magical rocks. I don't know where it came from. I remember the first time it happened, I was at a magical supply store buying books or tarot cards or something like that. And I was like, oh, dude, those rocks, you should eat those rocks. I mean, it's super bizarre. And it happened every single time I went into that store. And then I would go into other magical supply stores and I would see a bunch of rocks and I'd be like, I don't want to eat those. But see, it would become, oh, see, here's the thing, because I I think I already mentioned this. If you let the intrusive thought grow and grow, it becomes OCD, becomes obsessive compulsive disorder. So you'll have, there is a possibility where I say, I don't go into magic stores anymore. One, because, you know, it's a waste of money. But two, You're afraid if you go in there, you're going to swallow rocks. I never have, and I actually just kept going to the stores. It was basically like, and I kept spending my money. But it was one of those things like I could have developed a fear of magic witchcraft stores and (laughs) had more money, or I could have just said, it's just a stupid thought. I would never actually do that. I I didn't know what the term was back then. I know now it's an intrusive thought. But the story is super spooky to me because it involves a guy, (laughs) it involves a guy ingesting a rock. It involves a guy finding a beautiful rock and wanting to swallow it. Now, this one was just the juice, but that's a matter of semantics. Like, it's it's rocks. It's it's rocks all the way down. This story, I should I shouldn't have to add to this point. This story, as cool as it is, is totally fake. It's a fake story. Um, it was a joke. The doctor didn't exist. The dude didn't exist. I knew that when I was reading the story. That's why I thought epigastric and left hypochondriac. I thought those were terms that the fake doctor was using to see if the editor of the newspaper was smart enough. Those are actual terms. 
But the story never happened. It was a story that Doctor didn't exist. Ernest Fleichel, Spiegel, or whatever his name was. Doesn't matter. I'm not insulting him. He's a fictional character. Doesn't exist. There was a time. You can do it these days. You can do it these days. It's still absolutely hilarious. But there was a time where it was all the rage to make up new stories about petrified people. Mark Twain did it. Mark Twain, Master Troll, did it. And make up stories about giants. There's a lot of people saying, oh, I found a giant. It was totally made up. It was uh, totally made up. Not all giant skeletons were fictional, but uh, most of them were. Most of them were. There are stories about giant skeletons going way back into antiquity, and we'll cover some of those too, but this was fake. And most of the stories when people go, oh, there's reports of giants in the 1850s, they were just fake. Yellow journalism is the term. But still, I saw this story and I was like, yeah, yeah, stupid. <laughs> what are the chances of me coming across the story where a dude eats a rock? Again, I was researching something else and found this story. And I go, there we go. That goes in my bone chilling episode that everyone else is like, dude, that's obviously fake. I also, this is an intrusive thought, but I also have a fear of becoming a statue or a tree. Like ever since I was a little kid, I saw an episode of Doctor Who, which apparently never existed. I saw an episode of Doctor Who... I think I've talked about this before. When I was a kid, my dad watched a ton of sci-fi. We watched an episode of Doctor Who, and it was like four or five different doctors. It was the first... This is like in the 80s, because I'm like 43. It was like the first couple doctors. It was the first time that multiple doctors had been in a show together, and the bad guy was trying to find the secret to immortality, and all the doctors were trying to stop him because this guy couldn't have that ability. They're like, that's only for us. That's only for us Doctor Who's. And he ends up getting to this alien lair and he finds out that the secret to immortality is he becomes a statue, a sentient statue, a sentient statue frozen in place forever. He'll never die now. But they show him freezing and he's screaming, no, no, this isn't what I meant. I should have read the fine print. No. And the four or five doctors, whoever was there, looked at him and they just walked away. Like they they weren't going to rescue this dude. He was trapped until the end of time, till the heat death of the universe, he would be a statue frozen in place. His mind still thinks, but his eyes shut, his soul trapped in cement. I had to have been, that was probably like in the like mid-80s, 86, 80, I would have been like 10, 11 years old, terif- absolutely terrified me, and I've tried looking for that. Apparently that movie's never existed. I've even talked about it on this show, and I've had some of you guys try to go, was this it, was this it? No, it never existed. Childhood fear of mine, even to this day, be turning into a statue. And now we got this guy drinking a geode. It's like two things combined into one. Hot diggity Dane. Hot diggity Dane is like, seriously, dude? This is the episode I'm in? The episode where you keep going, oh, that's spooky. And it's a fake letter but a guy who turned into a statue? But Hot Diggity Dane is a trooper just like the rest of you. We got one more of these to cover. Let's hop in that Carpenter Copter. Hot Diggity Dane, we are leaving behind old-timey California. We are headed out to Yellowstone National Park. Helicopter is flying over the vents. It's July 20th, 1981. David Allen Kerwin, he's 24 years old, and his friend Ronald Ratliff, are driving around, and they say, hey, let's swing by Yellowstone. They're on a road trip. Let's swing by Yellowstone. Let's go see what all this hot water is all about. We don't have that where we live. It's all cold water. And Ratliff's dog, Moosey, is also there. So they got their dog in the back of the truck. These two guys pull up to the Celestine Pool. The pickup truck stops, 
And the they open the doors, and Moosey jumps out of the car and starts running. That's what dogs will do, right? Most dogs won't do this, though. He then jumped into Celestine Pool. 200 degrees Fahrenheit boiling water. Because the elevation, the water boils at like 190 or something up there. So that's horrible, right? But that's not the end of the story. Ronald and David pursue the dog. And they get to the pool and the dog is in the boiling water. Now there's a, it's a, you know, middle of the day. There's a bunch of people there and everyone's freaking out about what's going on. But then something happens that makes everyone's attention turn from the dog to David. David begins to motion like he's going to jump into the pool of boiling water to save the dog. Onlookers begin screaming at him, don't do it, don't do it. And he's taking a couple steps back like he's going to run and jump. And Ronald turns to his friend and says, don't do it. Don't go in there. And David says, like hell I won't. And he jumps headfirst into the boiling water. I mentioned on Monday's episode this weird thing about pouring boiling water on myself. I've never done it. I would never want to do it. When I'm boiling water, I think, oh, I just pour it on my head. Intrusive thought. If someone else poured it on me, I'm not going to have a great day, but that doesn't scare me. And like I said, if someone forces me to pour it on me, it doesn't bug me either. It has to be a, it's a weird quirk. It has to be me willingly pouring boiling water on myself. Very bizarre thing. So he jumps into the boiling water. It's so funny. I knew the story by heart. I went and got a single source for this story. I knew the story by heart. I'd read it years ago. I really didn't even, I'm not even looking at my notes other than to remember the dude's names and the dates. I remember everything about the story from the time I read it because it terrified me. He jumps into the boiling water and, and the people are now speechless. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. And they see Ronald. He swims through the water and he grabs Moosey. He gets a hold of the dog. But then David goes underwater, completely underwater. And then they see the dog start to drift away. So they realize that he's no longer holding on to the dog. He's most likely dead at this point. David resurfaces, though, and he's swimming, swimming through this boiling water. He gets to the shore. He can't get out of the water completely. Ronald runs over to help him out. Ronald actually gets second-degree burns on his feet from the scalding water. They pull David out, and he says, That was stupid. How bad am I? That was a stupid thing I did. He's completely blind. He can't see what's going on with his body. And his burns are so intense, he can't feel anything either. He has suffered third-degree burns over 100% of his body. That's your butthole is burned. That's the inside of your nostrils burned. That's every single inch of his body was completely blistered and peeling. The muscles had started to cook. One of the people, I don't know what was going through this shoe's head, right? They just pulled this guy out of boiling water. Someone goes, take his shoes off, take his shoes off. Maybe he had Air Jordans on, they didn't want to ruin them or something like that. One of these rescuers takes one of his shoes off and all the skin of his feet just come out with the shoe. It just is like when you cook tomato soup and it skims on the top. Except he was the tomato. You get it. You get it. <laughs> I don't think I needed to, needed an analogy for that. It's like when you make nacho cheese, right? But you just take one chip and all the cheese comes off of that one chip. Probably wasn't a smart thing. I don't know what he was thinking. 
to take off this dude's shoe. I hope he stopped at the one shoe. Hope he didn't go, oh, that was disgusting, but maybe the other shoe isn't so gross. Now let's take off his jacket. Like, I mean, the guy is obviously boiled alive. They take him to the hospital. He dies the next day. The dog dies as well. Apparently, this is a common thing. Not super common, but dogs are constantly jumping into the water. That's like a... I guess dogs are just stupid. <laughs> just dogs are just dumb. You never hear of a cat jumping into a hot spring. But, uh... That story... I remember reading that story years ago, and I was like, uh... I... I, I Again, I mean, there's. I get it, you wanting to... First off, it wasn't even his dog. It was Ronald's dog, right? But secondly, if I saw a dog jump in boiling water, I'd, it's not going to be the highlight of my week. Obviously, I'm going to be pretty bummed out. I would not in a million years jump in a boiling water. I don't even know if i jump in a boiling water for a close friend of mine, right? Because at a certain point, I had the opportunity once to... I don't want to get into that story, but... I've had to put myself in situations where I may have gotten badly burned by flame, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, first off, first off, as as my good friend is in this hot spring. First off, hey dude, sorry, I'm not a really good swimmer to begin with. So, like, even if I was able to get you, now there's two people in the hot water. It wasn't a pun; that was a literal thing. I'm not even a good swimmer. So even if it was like lukewarm water, sorry, bro. But the idea of jumping into headfirst, headfirst, I don't know why that's worse, right? It's boiling water. But jumping headfirst into boiling water and then being pulled out blind and so much damage to you that you can't feel any pain just terrifies me, man. The stories actually make me a little sick to my stomach. It's really weird. Now, I know I run the risk of people now just sending me tons of stories about people boiling alive. Again, it doesn't bug me. It has to be a very specific thing where you do it on purpose of your own free will. That's what's terrifying to me. And I think all of those stories, the eating the rock or drinking the fluid, the Uber driver or the girl in particular... And they're jumping in boiling water. They all play into the same thing. Losing control. One of them is a mental losing control where she just snaps one day. Nobody knows why she did it. She may not even know why she did it, which is more terrifying. The other two are losing physical control. One guy literally turned into a rock and lost control over his body. That was fake, though. But it's still spooky. It's still spooky. This other one, he tried to be a hero, and ended up dying, which is one of the ultimate ways you lose control, right? Because you kind of now no longer have a body. I don't know, maybe it's totally awesome floating around and stuff like that, being a ghost, but I don't know. I, I love being alive. Um, so yeah, all of these stories play into that idea of losing control, or even just being so badly burned you can't even feel any sensation. The skin of your foot could kind of just slough off and you not even realize it. You're like, Oh, why is that guy holding my shoe? Why is my why is that guy holding my shoe full of lasagna? When did he bring lasagna? Oh wait, I can't see, so I couldn't even see it. But it's all utterly these are all utterly terrifying stories to me in one way or the other. I really have no other way to end this episode other than one, if you have intrusive thoughts, they're totally normal. Again, I want to hit that home because a lot of people suffer in silence and a lot of people think that they're mean people, that they're evil people. How could I think these thoughts about people I love? How could I think these thoughts about myself? They're totally normal. They're unwanted thoughts. If you are walking around and you want to put boiling water on your head and you can't wait till you get and find a cauldron big enough for you, that's something you need to address with a psychiatrist, right? 
If you love shoplifting knives at Walmart and you can't wait until Uber is available in your area, that's something you address with a psychiatrist. But when you're sitting next to someone and you have a thought where you just want to scream in their face and tell them to shut up, or you want to harm yourself or harm someone else, but you would never do those things. You get these thoughts totally normal. Just roll with them. Just acknowledge what they are. Say they're intrusive thoughts. I'm not going crazy. And you'll be surprised how less scary things will be. Unless unless your job is finding <laughs> spooky stories to talk about. And then you decide to use yourself as an example. And hopefully these two episodes have helped you. I really, I really kind of put myself on the line for these. I think they're fairly funny. But I'm putting myself out there. Hope you guys are able to go, hey, I've had thoughts like that. Maybe not as ridiculous as eating rocks. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I know what they are now, and I hope this. I hope these two episodes are able to help you find a little bit of humor in something that 95% of the world population deals with. You are not going crazy. It's totally normal. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys. I'm actually going to go cook some soup right now. Some boiling hot soup. It's not a joke. I'm starving. I'm going to eat some soup. I love you guys. Have a great one. <laughs>